Uh, John chapter 8, verse 31 and 32. John chapter 8, verse 31 and 32. It reads like this. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teaching. And if you know the truth, and the truth will set you free. God, we thank you for your incredible word, God, that instructs us, it corrects us, it encourages us, it challenges us, and God, most definitely, we know that it changes us. I pray that you would bless the hearers today, God. I pray that every word that comes out of my mouth today, God, would come right from your throne room. In Jesus' name, God, and as well, we pray for our pastors today, God, as they're at vacation. We pray that they would be refreshed, God. We pray that they would be restored, God, that they would be full of vision, God, that their spirits, their bodies, their emotions, God, would be renewed. In Jesus' name, would you say amen this morning? You may be seated this morning. Well, um, I think one thing that is so neat about God's Word, um, we're reading in John here, and a couple things to keep in mind, it is written by uh, the one John himself. Um, A couple cool things that we want to notice is that John came from a really rich spiritual heritage. Um, He was surrounded with incredible people. Uh, He was a Jew. And it's really interesting, when John gives this um, record of Jesus sharing this to the people, he was talking to people that were called Gentiles. And Gentiles were basically anybody who was not an Israelite, anybody who was not a Jew. Um, And it's really interesting also that it just, it covered everybody, (laughs) It meant the religious people he was talking to, and that it also meant the common people. And I think that one thing that is so powerful about Jesus is he is the great equalizer. I mean, he levels the playing field um, in, our, in our social economic statuses. I don't care if you're poor or if you're rich. Poor man and rich man are both going to come crawling to Jesus, needing him as their Lord and Savior. Right? And it doesn't matter what, what comes after your name and your job description. It could be CEO and it could be gardener. And it don't matter. The CEO and the gardener are both going to come and bow before Jesus because we need him in our heart. And I love that he is the great equalizer. And honestly, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if you're a pastor or just an everyday person uh, living for God. We're all both going to need to come crawling on our knees to Jesus because we are just in desperate need for him. Well, um, today, um, this topic kind of came from a little bit of a personal journey for me. I gave my heart to Christ when I was about 18. And um, before that, I participated in all kinds of crazy things that, uh, that, that uh, I opened my doors to, to the enemy. And uh, he just jumped on in my life and, and, and snuck in there with them some pretty sneaky little lies. And, you know, I, I'm sure that none of you deal with anything like that today. But it's so funny that how at a young age and before you give your relationship, your heart to Jesus Christ, it's so funny that those things early on in your life affect who you are today. It's so funny that those things uh, back when you were young, the things your parents poured in you and or the things that they didn't pour into you, Those sometimes are the results of some of the hang-ups and some of the challenges and some of the addictions that we face today as grown adults and believers, some people. And so today I want to kind of, uh, uh, the title of the message is Take the Lid Off, and um, it's a a metaphor for uh, for lies. 
uh, for lies that the enemy whispers into our lives and, and he puts the lid on our life through his little lies. You all know what a cap is, right? A lid. A lid is meant to contain. Uh, it's meant to shut down and keep something inside of a bottle. And, and there's things that are stored up inside of you and I that need to come out in order for us to live the full life that God designed for us. Um, we, were, we were with the family a couple nights ago. Uh, my mom, um, the Bensons, we're living with the Bensons right now, so we have lots of fun moments with them. And um, we were sitting around um, sharing, well, I, I don't want to call Pastor out, but we were all sitting around sharing our sob stories of growing up and how awful, you know, life was for us, you know. And, um, of course, he wasn't because there was nothing awful that ever happened to him or my wife, actually. They're, they are the two most perfect people I've ever met in my life. Um, and uh, so we were all sharing stories, and it was so funny because at the end of this extremely long conversation, not due to my long-windedness, um, but at the end of it, it, there was a thought that occurred to me and it dawned on me, and it must have been the Holy Spirit, but I just thought to myself, I thought, you know what? All of the, the most major important life hang-ups, blessing in lives, the things that affect us, the things that impact us the most, comes from the people that raise us. Honestly. I mean, come on. You may have had friends that have said something to you, but it was easy to forgive them and move on. It really was. But man, those people in your life that nurtured you and raised you up when they say something to you that hurts you, man, sometimes you'd be walking as a, a grown 50-year-old, 55, 60-year-old woman still wishing that her daddy would come and say, I'm sorry. Still wishing that your mama would come and say, I'm sorry. And so that's why we're going to talk about this today. But it's so funny how these lids in our lives, they can really easily slow our growth. They can stunt our faith and they can stop our freedom. Now, if I was a wordsmith like pastor, um, we wouldn't say slow our growth. The word growth would actually start with an F um, just because that's what he does. But I'm not a wordsmith like him. But in your notes, you can write that down. These lids in our life can slow our growth, stunt our faith and stop our freedom. I'd like you to throw a, a picture up on the screen. It's so funny to me, but lies are really interesting. Um, lies are like fruit uh, with disease on them. It's so funny to me, but when, when we allow lies to cap our life, it's like just stopping in all of the unhealthy stuff. And there could be things in our Christianity, there could be fruit in our life that looks like, oh yes, this person is a Christian, most definitely. But the things that should taste and, and demand to taste the most freedom out of us, like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, those things don't really taste very sweet because there's a lie that has been capped over our life. And there's some disease in there. And it's so funny to you, but so funny to me, but a little bit of disease on a tree, well, you could still see the tree. And there's enough evidence that, in fact, yes, the tree is alive. But, but the fruit just doesn't quite, I could see the fruit, but it just doesn't quite look right. It doesn't, doesn't quite taste the same. It doesn't taste like it should. Lies are just like that. They are like a disease that goes down into our heart, that captures our mind, and it makes the fruit of our Christianity sometimes taste a little bitter. It makes it look a little funny. Have you ever met somebody before that, that maybe, you know they're a believer, you know there's something different about them, but just something that just doesn't taste right. Have you ever walked around in life, you yourself, and, and you know you're saved, but yet you go, there's just something that is not right in me, and I can't figure out what it is. Um, let's kind of um, explain a lie here really quickly in case some of you who are confused. A lie is when 
100% of the information is false information. That equals a lie. And then for some of you who are just like really confused about a lie, here's also a lie as well. 1% false information and 90%, 99% truth information. That also equals a lie. Okay, are we good on that, right? I can remember when I first gave my heart to Jesus. I was about 18 years old. I was in Northern California, and um, I went to my first youth convention. The guy speaking that day was uh, the DYD of our area, and his name was Eddie Rents. He was preaching the house down, and he was bringing it, and it was awesome. And, and he gave the altar call, and I was like, oh, yeah, baby, I'm coming down to this one. I came running down to the altar call. My hands were up, and, and I was just I was feeling it. God was giving me vision for my life, and I remember looking up at him thinking, Man, God, one day I want to do that. One day I want to preach the gospel like that. One day I want to restore hope in people. And I want to bring the word. And I want to bring the message of peace. And the message of deliverance to God's people. I want to do that one day. And as I sat there, all of a sudden this sneaky little voice started coming into my mind. And I started, and it sounded like this. It said, yeah, Sean, that's, man, what a great dream, man. Mm. Beautiful. Beautiful. But Sean, come on. You know who you are. You know the family you come from. You know that 90% of the people that come from your family, they're all divorced. You, you know the, the sexual issues in the family. You know all the dirty little secrets of everybody. Sean, that's where you come from, and that's who you are. You can never be as good as him. But good try. And come back next week. Try again. Good try. It's so funny that these lies, they settle into our hearts and even in the life of a believer, these lies can be like lids slammed down on our ability to become who God has called us to be. Have you ever thought or had the sneaky suspicion that the enemy has whispered a little lie into your heart? If so, today's message might be for you. Our message entitled today is Take the Lid Off. I want us to know three different lies that the enemy has, and there's probably thousands and millions of them, but I want to look at three. Lie number one today, Christianity works for them, but it won't work for me. Have you ever had a thought like that before? And I, they're so good at it, but they're just, you don't know the sin that I've done. You don't know the places that I've been, the things that I have participated in. It can't work for me. You know, it's interesting to me, but this lie is such a, a heavy blow of defeat. It's like a final blow on a believer. Because when believers believe a lie like that and sit in church year after year and come to the altar call time and time and time again, begging God to change them. God, please take this from me. Please remove this from me. I want to I be who I think I'm supposed to be. I want to I do what I think you want me to do, but I, I just can't seem to get over this. Christianity works for them, but God, I don't know how it could work for me. These lies are so wicked and so evil spoken from the enemy himself over our life that they truly slow our spiritual growth. They stunt our faith, and sometimes they stop our faith, and they definitely stop our freedom as a believer. You know, it's funny, but in a room full of God-fearing believers today would probably be embarrassing and probably a better word would be maybe shameful to raise our hand and, and admit to ourselves that we have ever thought that before. We have ever thought that, does Christianity really work for me? I mean, I'm trying really hard, but God, I'm not getting the, the deliverance and the freedom that I thought I was supposed to get. It would be kind of embarrassing to admit that in this room today. 
I mean, after all, you guys sit under some great preaching. Pastor Mike Benson brings the word. And we know, hey, we serve a God who sets people free. Amen. We know we serve a God who delivers people, who saves people, who sets people free. Yet at times the enemy comes in and he loves to to sneak this little lie into your heart and say Christianity works for everybody except you. Here's the big question I want to ask you today. Does God really set his children free? He does. He sets his kids free. And it's so funny to me, though, that as we believe that, and I know that with all my heart, there's times where I have felt trapped, and there's times where I have fallen into that lie myself. This thing must work for everybody, but God, it's not working for me. And this lie sometimes continues to plague the church. It continues to plague Christianity all over America and all over the world. The enemy loves to come in with this lie and say, this is going to work for everybody except you. And when he does that, then the lid gets slammed down on your life. And all of a sudden, you slow, the growth slows down. And all of a sudden, your face starts to get a little bit shaky. And all of a sudden, the freedom that maybe was once there starts to go away. Here's how you take lids off of your lie. You replace the lie with the truth. It's really simple. The Bible says in John 8, 32, and you shall know the what? Truth, and the truth will set you free. That's God's word. 2 Peter 3, 9 says this. He does not, God does not want anyone to be destroyed, but he wants everyone to repent. He doesn't want anyone to die. So that lie that the enemy says that Christianity works for everyone but you, that's a lie from the pit of hell. Because the Bible clearly says that God doesn't want any one of us to be destroyed. That that repentance is offered to everybody who wants it. The Bible says differently this way in John 8, 36. 36. Whoa, I almost said it. He who the Son sets free is free indeed. He who the Son sets free is free indeed. That's a powerful scripture. That's a great word. You know, it's interesting to me that um, when Jesus was sharing this to uh, the people of the day, to the Jews and to the Gentiles that day, he said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. He knew that the people standing in front of him, those Jews, those great scholars of the word, those, those people who had studied the Bible forever, he knew that it was possible for those people, in fact, to not be free, to still be in bondage by religion. That's why he said that. And still today, there's still people who are believers. There's people who love Jesus, who at times could still be bound by religion. In fact, those same people, those same people, those Jews, looked at Jesus and they said, Jesus, are you kidding me? Why are you talking to us about freedom? We're children of Abraham. We're free. We have, they said, we have never been in slavery before. What? The Israelites, you'd never been in slavery before. Okay. And in fact, at that time, they were in slavery to the Roman government. Isn't it interesting that as believers, we could sit in a room just like this. Jesus, we're not in bondage to anything. We've never been in bondage. And that's why lies are so dangerous. That's why the enemy is so sneaky. And these lies come and they slam the lid in our face. And we begin to not even know we're in bondage. The enemy is deceiving. And that's why deception is so scary. Because it's, in fact, deceiving. You don't know. 
Today, the title of our message is Take Off the Lid. Line number one, Christianity works for them, but it won't work for me. Line number two, it's their fault. Where do these lies come from? Who planted these lies in your heart? Number two, lie, it is their fault. Who is it that's slowing your growth? Who is stunting your faith? Who is stopping your freedom? As we take time this morning to try to discover the lies that have been spoken into our life and remove the lid, I'm asking you today, whose fault is it that that lid was placed on your life? Now, I, I, I'm going to ask you, uh, and please don't answer this, um, but was it your parents? Was it your coach? Was it your siblings? Was it the ones closest to you? Was it the ones ra- that raised you, your grandma, your grandpa, your neighbor, the weird uncle? Who was it? Who was it that stepped into your life? See, here, here's the sneaky thing about this lie. Is that this is one of those lies that it's partial truth, but yet it's still partially a lie. Now, before I make this statement, I'm not excusing anybody for their behavior. Please don't get me wrong for that. None of us are excused for our behavior. I mean, come on. Even, even the Christian business world has ethics, and they say, we do business by not lying, by treating people right, and by having integrity. So, Lord, have mercy. The church definitely should have some ethics about how we do what we do, right? Okay, just needed to get that off my chest real quick. Um, here's where the enemy loves to come in and lie. The lie that says it's not their fault. I don't know about you, but there's a lot of times in my relationship with God and in my life that I said that for a long time. It's their fault. I wouldn't have this hang up today if they didn't do that. I, I wouldn't be like this if they did this. Sure, maybe some of these individuals, these people in your life, they put on the postal jacket and the postal shoes and the uniform and the enemy had packaged a fancy special delivery just for you and handed it to whomever, fill in the blank, put the name of the person on and they they took the bait, they put the jacket on and they put the postal hat on and they came and they hand delivered a lie to you. And they said, you're stupid. They said, you need to lose weight. They said, you need to dress nice. They said, you need to put more makeup on and take care of yourself, sweetheart. They, they, they said, you're stupid. They said, you're not smart. They said, why can't you be like your brother? And they hand deliver this lie to you. And the greatest lie of, of them all is the enemy comes in and and he makes us say this lie, and the lie says, it's their fault. It's not, it's their fault. The dangerous thing about lies is lies turn from lies, and then they turn into belief systems for us. And I'm going to explain a little bit about how that works in a little bit. But the enemy comes in, and he lies to you. And, and here, here, here's, here's how, let's fix that lie. Let's take this lid off. And we're going to remove the, the lid with the truth. I know, I get it. I'm not excusing anyone for their behavior. I'm not. Some bad things have happened to some people in this room. I get it. These people were just messengers. And worse than what they did, and worse, worse than our government, worse than the religious system, worse than all these things, are the lies that the enemy gets us to believe that it's really their fault. 
Because if it's their fault, then they're going to have to pay you back. And the only person that can make it right is them, not anybody else. Here's two ways that um, I want to pull the lid off, and we need to identify the enemy for who he is. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen, even Satan himself is an angel of light. He disguises himself as an angel of light. He comes in in the form of your mommy, your daddy, your brother, your uncle, your neighbor, your coach, or whoever you want it to be, and he wants you to think that it's their fault. The Bible says in John 8, 44, Jesus was rebuking the Jews, and he was telling them, hey, your father, because the Jews were lying, they were deceived, they were confused, and Jesus was saying, hey, your father, the devil, when he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar, the father of all lies. His native language is the language of lie. He doesn't, he doesn't know anything else. Those of you who only speak one, one language, that's the only thing you know, you can't say anything else. I mean, you'd be like, hola. I mean, you could try. But <laughs> especially when you're from Texas, when you say hola, you know, it's like people know that, like, you don't know how to speak the language. They get it. And the enemy comes in. He doesn't know how to speak truth. And his, his truth is always all 1% truth, 99% lie. He loves to sneak in with those lies. And when he lies to you and makes you think that it's their fault, you're always going to be blaming them. You're always going to be trying to get them to pay. You're always going to replay the conversation in your head, the situation in your head, over and over and over. And the enemy comes in and he slams that lid on your life. we got to put blame on the enemy because that's where it belongs. We have to. you got to get up and you got to pray and you got to just over and over, God, I believe this lie and I know it's a lie. That's straight from the pit of hell, God. And the only person that could help that person is you, God. I put them in your hands, God. I forgive them. God, I'll release them in Jesus' name. That's what that sounds like. That's why it's important to pray every day because you're forgetful. I'm forgetful. I'm really forgetful. I'm so bad. I got to pray a hundred times a day to remind myself that anybody who's hurt me in my life, that it is Jesus' deal, not mine. It ain't got nothing to do with me. We're talking about taking the lid off today. We say things like it's their fault and they owe me. (laughs) It doesn't work. I want to say something with all the love in my heart, and it's because I've experienced this before personally. You need to know this. Nobody owes you. Okay? I love you. Nobody owes you. As much as you want somebody, them, that person that you think it's their fault, as much as you want them to come crawling back to you, begging for your forgiveness, you've dreamed about that day, you've got to realize your forgiveness does not have the power to set anybody free. It doesn't. Somebody come and crawling themselves back to you or me does not set anybody free. It, in fact, keeps you in bondage because now you, in some creepy, some weird way, begin to think that the only way that this person can be delivered is by you. And that would be a scary place to be, wouldn't it? I think that would be real. Hey, I've lived too much of my life there. You can't set them free. You don't have the power to do that. Jesus Christ, who died on the cross, 
He is the only one who has the power to set people free. Stop holding them responsible today. Honestly, in your heart right now, you just ask God to forgive you. Stop holding them responsible. Take the lid off. Stop saying it's their fault. Release that to God right now. Send that lie back to hell where it belongs. And you can be free. Fun, huh? We're talking about take the lid off. Number one, first lie, Christianity works for them. It's not going to work for me. Lie number two, it's their fault. I don't know what your story is today. I don't know the life that you grew up in. I don't know where you come from. And I don't know the lie that was nicely packaged and hand-delivered to you by your parent, your coach, your teacher, whoever you want. But just maybe today there's a believer in the room who is just wrestling over their pride. Man, maybe they have just been spending their whole life to prove to everybody that you can make it. Maybe you have just spent your whole life trying to climb that ladder so that you can say, hey, I'm here, somebody see me, I can make it, I can do it. I want you to know today that that lie that you believe that you're not good enough is a lie and that comes from the enemy. Stop seeing yourself as a victim. You're not a victim. Maybe today you continue to blame other people for the hang-ups and the addictions that you face in your adult life today. And every time that addiction gets in your way, and every time that hang-up gets in your way, it always seems to come at the right time. Right at the time where you're about to break through the ceiling of success. Right about the time that your marriage is about to experience breakthrough. Right at the time that something incredible is about to happen in your life. That lie sneaks in, and that bitterness sets in. Excuse me, that was embarrassing. That bitterness sets in, and all of a sudden you get trapped. That's why lies are so dangerous. And at the root of every single one of these thoughts in your mind that you continue to play over and over and over again is simply a lie that the enemy has snuck in and whispered in your ear. He's distorted the way you think. He's distorted the way you think about yourself, the way you think about God, the way you think about other people, the way you have relationships, the way you do what you do. He's distorted and he's stopped your freedom. Is there anybody tired of not being free? Anybody want to be free in here? He's a liar. That's all he knows. It's his native language. He knows nothing else. And he's out to get us. I'm serious. I'm not the guy who's running around looking for a demon under every blanket. That's not me at all. But I know the enemy loves to lie. And he loves to lie to you and stop your freedom and stop your spiritual growth. And he loves to bound believers. The reason that I know that is because Jesus was talking to believers when he said, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. These were people who knew the Bible inside and out. The Jews had grown up in church. They grew up in this culture where they had to memorize the first five books of the Bible, the Torah. They knew every word of it. They were, they were, they were, they were pros at religion. And Jesus was telling them, you need freedom. You can be free today. It's God's word. Lie number three that we believe, this is my favorite. This is what I would call the lie of religion, and it sounds like this. Number three, I must change my behavior to be a good Christian. This is another one of those sneaky little lies. It's like 90% right and 1% wrong. It's such a lie. Sure, we should try hard. Hey, Don't get me wrong. 
I, I love a good, hard work ethic, and I apply it in every area of my life. I apply it in my marriage. I apply it as a father. I apply it as a friend. I apply it as an employee. I try hard, really hard at everything I did, I do. But as long as we know and we got, we got it clear and we got it right, that our hard work don't get us to heaven. As long as we got it clear and we got it right, that our hard work does not make us right before God. The Bible says that our righteousness is as filthy rags. You could be as good as you want to be, but it ain't enough unless you have a life surrendered to Jesus. It ain't enough without the help of the Holy Spirit. Have you ever tried to change a behavior? A behavior that's like really hard. Have you ever tried to change a habit or a hang-up or an addiction? I mean, I'm talking something that's really hard. Have you ever thought, I'm going to just change this bad behavior for a good one? How'd that work for you? (laughs) Didn't work very good, did it? Yeah. It it doesn't work. It doesn't. It's like partial truth. We got to try. We got to work hard. We got to be obedient to God's word first. But it doesn't work. It's the lie of religion. I must change my behavior to be a good Christian. This causes us to go into pursuit of good behavior. And man, I... I want to, let, let's say it another way. I want to repurse, replace the word behavior with a better description of that word. And I would like to use the word fruit. You can't change fruit without dealing with the health of the tree or bush or shrub or whatever you want to call it. You can't change fruit. I'm going to stop being an orange and now I'm going to be a strawberry. I didn't plan on saying that. That was pretty good. <laughs> the reason why this lie is so dangerous, um, you write this down because it's powerful. Lies turn into unconscious beliefs. Lies from the enemy turn into unconscious beliefs for you. These beliefs for you equal your fruit or behavior by what you believe. Let me show you how a lie turns um, into an unconscious belief that turns into your behavior or your fruit. When the enemy comes to you and he lies to you and he tells you something like you're ugly or something like you're stupid, well, first of all, clear the air. Does God think you're ugly and stupid? Some of you hesitated on that. You're beautiful and you are smart and people like you. Okay, sorry. The reason why our unconscious beliefs are so important, the things that we think about are so important, uh, is described in Philippians 4.8, if you're wondering. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, noble, pure, right, lovely, admirable, anything excellent or praiseworthy, think on these things. It's important to think about things that are true and things that are not lies, because when you think about lies, they become behaviors. I'm going to ask you a rhetorical question this morning. How many of you have ever done anything stupid? Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand on behalf of anybody else than the next to you. Okay, now after you have done something stupid, what are you thinking inside? (laughs) I'm stupid. Now how does that make you feel? I feel stupid. Now when you've done something stupid and you feel stupid, what are the odds that you're going to do something smart? 
When we feel and we think we're stupid, it's actually really hard to stop a behavior and just start a new one. When we think we're an addict and we think we're a victim, it's really hard to just stop being an addict and stop being a victim and start having good fruit and being kind and being nice and not thinking like the victim anymore. It's really hard to stop doing those things. We often describe the life of a committed believer as, as of course, somebody who is, is kind and selfless and loving. And, of course, they're not bitter and they don't hate. They love everybody and they want to help everybody. They're the guy that pulls over on the side of the road to change the old lady's tire or the guy's tire. Religion says you must stop smoking, drinking, and in Texas, it's not chewing tobacco, because that's definitely okay to do here, I guess. (laughs) You must stop lying and cheating and being angry and hateful, and now I must forgive and be lovely and joyful and kind and, and gentle. Religion says that obviously we must change these behaviors because, well, hey, of course, I'm a Christian and I must behave like a Christian. The enemy loves to lie to you like that, but let's go ahead and take that lid off for a minute. Galatians 5.22 says this, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It does not say the behavior of a Christian is. It says the fruit of a Christian is. The fruit is a result of a healthy living tree, living plant, or whatever you want to call it, with healthy roots. Something that is disease-free from the lies of the enemy. That's when fruit begins to change. That's why this religious lie that the enemy puts out there to people that says a good Christian must behave good. The reason why that's such a lie is because you can't just change behavior. You've got to change what's underneath it. You've got to change the roots. You've got to get the roots healthy. And when it's healthy down there, it starts to come up. And it just starts to come out. And you have to stop. You don't stop. You don't have to, like, try to stop cussing. You just quit cussing. I remember for me, like, thinking at one point, like, that was so hard. I did not know how to have a conversation without three cuss words in a sentence. And I tried so hard to change my fruit. And it just didn't change. But all of a sudden, as I prayed in the morning, and as I read the word, it started to nourish the roots of my spiritual life. And it just started coming up. And all of a sudden, one day, like, I don't slip up anymore. Like, I haven't cussed all day today. Wow! It's called fruit. And fruit, you don't just exchange a bad behavior for a good one. It's a lie from the enemy. Today we're talking about take the lid off. The three lies of the enemy. Christianity works for them, but it won't work for me. It's their fault, and I must change my behavior to be a good Christian. I want to read a scripture to you, Jeremiah 17, 8. I love this because um, this kind of just sets it all, makes it all good. Blessed are those who trust in the Lord. You trust him, no matter how much you've battled over and over and over. And try to get over these hang-ups in your life. Um, sometimes you just need a little correction from God's word. To help you to realize where these lies come from. 
those who trust in the Lord. They have made God, the Lord, their hope and their confidence. They are like trees planted on a riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. Trees are not bothered by the heat, nor are they worried about long months of drought. Their leaves stay green, and they never stop producing fruit. I love God's Word, honestly. Man, God has set up a recipe for you and I to be healthy and to be disease-free from the lies of the enemy. I want to close with this story. Um, two weeks ago, uh, I was mountain biking out at a place called Prayer Mountain. It's kind of a cool name. Yeah. So that, that's the religious part of me. Like, I prefer to ride my bike there over the place that is not related to a Christian word. It's called Prayer Mountain. And um, it's actually a pretty cool place. Um, I think they have like the highest elevation in the, the DFW area, by the way, in case you were think thinking there was no mountains here like I thought when I moved here but it's like it's a it's a tall hill I ride my bike there and I was I was riding one day and um <clears throat> I had just started my ride and I was going down the road and um I heard I heard this voice off in the distance um there was a young lady who had um been out there running she was young probably in her 20s she'd been out there running it was one of those days kind of like yesterday like 100 degrees outside and and then there's a lots of canopy where, where we ride over there, so it's like extra humid in there, and it's like it just like sucks all the uh, all the moisture out of your body, and you get dehydrated really quickly. Well, she'd been running out there, and she'd been out there for about an hour and a half. She was completely lost. She had no water, so she probably she could have potentially had a little bit of heat stroke. And weird things happen to people when they have heat stroke. Well, this girl was was running, and um, she was exhausted, man. She was desperate. She had no water. She was so thirsty, and she had no idea where to go. She didn't know to go right or to go left. Every direction to her looked the same. It looked thick. It looked green. It looked like there was no way out. She was lost. And in her weak, feeble voice was as much strength as she could muster. I can only imagine if I was her, um, I heard something off in the distance, and I heard leaves crackling on the trail and the cranks on a bike wheeling and as soon as she heard that she mustered up some hope it excited her and she said hello she was like nervous feeble scared is anybody there and I remember I was on my bike and I heard that voice and I just immediately said hello where are you and then I just like shut up really quickly because I'm like and I heard something off over this way, and so I jumped off the trail and started to go down this way, and, and she, there she was just sitting there just like sweating like crazy, just completely vulnerable, completely like I was thinking to myself, dude, this girl's crazy to be out here like this. Like you never know what creepos out here. She was so vulnerable, and she was so thirsty. So I opened up my water pack, and she's like, no, just show me how to go. And you need water. So she took out her little water bottle. I filled her up, and she just... Like the second that water hit her mouth, it was like, ah, you just tell. She was just instantly feeling refreshed. I got on my bike, and, and I, I took her toward to the path that leads her right to the parking lot so she could be safe. Isn't that like you and I before we know Christ? Man, we're so lost, so confused. We, we don't have a clue. We don't know what way to turn. And if you have this, this much faith, enough faith to go, hey, God, are you there? It's me. It's me again. He's nothing like me. He comes running straight to you. 
and gives you a cold cup of water and refreshes you. And he just takes care of every need that you have. Today, I would <clears throat> like to pray for you. Uh, there's two people in this room today. One, there's people in here who maybe have never received Jesus in their heart, and today could be an opportunity for you. And two, there's some believers in here that just need to take the lid off. And today, as a representation of taking the lid off, as we wrap up this message, the keyboard can play, because just it's fun. Feel that? Feels really nice. If you're either one of those people today, if you're a believer in here today, and you have been trapped by any one of these lies, I'm going to ask every person in this room to close their eyes. And I want you to think, did the Holy Spirit talk to you today? Did he show you a lie that you believed? Were you, were you just completely unaware of one of these lies that you may have believed that Christianity works for them and not me? Or that it's maybe that it's, that it's their fault? Or maybe that, it's, that I have to have good behavior to be a good Christian? Have you believed any of these lies today? Well, I have news for you today. Today is a day that you can take the lid off. And I purposely don't want to necessarily hype up this moment because it's not necessarily about hype. It's about you making a conscious decision. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to count to three. And when I count to three, the band is going to begin to sing the song that we played before we started the message called I Am All He Says I Am. And as a family, as a body, as people, I'm going to give us an opportunity to take the lid off and declare God for who he really is and declare you to be a free person and who God created you to be. So are you ready today? One, if you're a believer and you believe the lie, I'm going to ask you to stand when I get to three. Two, if you're in this room and you're just like that girl that was off on the trails and had no idea which way to go, but you needed Jesus desperately, if that's you today, I'm going to ask you to stand, both groups of people, and club, come flood the front of this room as this song is played. Three, come now. I am all You believe the lie. Come he on. says I am. Jesus in your life. Go ahead and come on down. Come on. He says I am. I am You're tired of being trapped in that addiction. He says You're tired of being torn down by that habit. Come on down. His own. I am all, yes. There's an he area in your faith that's just not clicking, it's not working. And there's a lie that you believe. Come on down. I'd love everybody in the audience to stand on their feet today. Here's what we're going to do. In a minute, um, I'm going to pray for you, and then we're going to sing my favorite part of the song. It says, chains are broken, scales are on the floor. Um, and that's just going to kind of represent the lid coming off your life, and you living in freedom today. But here's what I want to do. Uh, if you're a believer out there, um, I'm going to ask you to pray in a minute for these people here today, because I want you to know that God sets people free. 
And if you're standing here in the front and you believe that Christianity works for everybody but you, I'm here just to remind you, uh, God is here to tell you directly that the enemy is a liar and that's a lie and that it works for you. And listen, if you're here because you've been struggling with unforgiveness, it's not their fault. Man, we can't free people. Give them into God's hands. He's the only one who can free people. You don't have to be bitter anymore. It's okay. And if you're somebody up here who has been believing that I got to have good behavior to be a good little Christian, well, hey, listen, I'm here to say that, look, man, let's work on our roots. Let God just nourish us for who we are. And God will begin to change you from the inside out. Let's pray right now. God, we thank you for who you are. God, I pray for every person up here, God, or who is sitting in the audience who did not come and who has believed a lie, God. We expose the enemy today for who he is, God. He is a liar in his native uh, tongue, his native language is the language of lie, God. And we expose those today, God, and we replace them with the truth, God, because we know your word says that we shall know the truth which we heard today, and the truth, God, will in fact set us free, God. We know truly, God, that you came to bring deliverance to every single one of us, God. So I pray today, God, that these believers that may be standing in front of me today or in this audience today, God, that today, maybe for the first time, God, they can walk away from this altar, God, not bitter anymore, God. God, they can walk away from this altar now, God, without that hang-up, God, without that addiction, Lord. We just thank you for who you are. If you're here today and you have never given your heart to Jesus, I want you to open your mouth and I would love everybody to repeat this prayer after me to encourage those who maybe have not given their heart to Jesus before. And I would like you to say this in your heart. I want us to all say it together. Say, dear God, I pray today that you come into my heart, that you save me, that you rescue me from the lies of the enemy. I know who I am. I'm your son, and I know who you are. You are my Savior. You're my God. I thank you for dying on the cross, and I invite you into my heart. In Jesus' name.